0: So, it's really all about finding the compromise that you and the other person are willing to make together. And if that's having several versions of an eco friendly alternative, that's fine too.
1: Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Mind Body Planet podcast. It's me, Crystalline. We are back for another week. This week's episode is exciting. Because we are chatting with my girl, my Internet friend, Maria, also known by her social media handles as at Living Planet Friendly. Maria is a Western New York based content creator and imperfect environmentalist who is passionate about the protection of our planet, sustainability, climate justice, and low impact living. Maria is a queen at content creation and shares all things from education on the climate crisis to influencing others to be conscious of their actions that impact the planet. She's been doing this for a long time and recently got married So I feel like there is no better person to talk to about living sustainably when you live with other people, as well as talking about throwing a sustainable wedding or sustainable event. So whether that is your spouse, partner, family or roommates, we are talking about how to still live low waste when there are other people around who may not want to be fully zero waste. So let's get into it. Hey, Maria, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, I'm super happy that you agreed to come on. Okay, Maria, you know, you've listened. We start with our favorites of the week. Do you want to go first?
0: Sure. So I have two favorites this week. My first is I'm kind of in like my sourdough bread baking era. And I just made a loaf of it yesterday. And my favorite thing to do is three hours after I've cooked it, I will slice it and eat the end piece with a little bit of butter. And it's still warm enough that like the butter slightly melts. It's divine. So that's my first favorite. And then my second favorite is checking on my garden every morning. It's been like a 10 minute calming ritual almost. Whereas last year, it almost felt like a chore checking on my garden and taking care of it. This year I feel more connected and it's not a stressor for me. I love that so much.
1: I have a a little garden and so I've been going out in the mornings and like watering it and stuff. And it is, it's a little therapeutic, isn't it?
0: It really is. I I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of the day. And if I don't do it in the morning, I just don't start my day off right.
1: Yeah, it is weird. I feel like I get in some good steps too, like walking around. Yep. (laughs) I have two favorites as well. Uh, My first one is the Taylor Swift Speak Now. Taylor's version just came out. So that's obviously this week's favorite. I've had it on repeat all day long. And then my other favorite is I've been making coffee at home even though I love to get coffee out. I love it. It's like such a fun little treat or like experience to like go to a coffee shop and order it. Uh, But I've been wanting to make it at home and I was like, I'm going to bring the experience home. So I've been calling it Cafe Chris and I'll wake up and I'll, I'll yell to my boyfriend in the other room who's getting ready for work. And I'll be like, Cafe Chris is open and <laughs> he'll order. He'll tell me what he wants. Then I grind the beans, get the espresso out, do all the things. And then I go order for Matt and I put it on the table. And he comes and picks it up. <laughs>
0: That is so fun! I love it. Cafe Chris, Cafe Chris. So coming to
1: a city near you, just think. Hopefully, Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah, coming to Buffalo soon. (laughs) Um, It's been really fun, though. I feel like it really, you know, perks me up because it's you know that experience of going out and getting a coffee, but it really adds up. It can be expensive. Like my favorite coffee shop is like seven dollars for a latte, and I just. Yeah, like it's it's fun every once in a while, but to do every day or even just a few times a week just feels like, I don't know, just doesn't, I was like, I could really save some money. My dog has been in the vet, so <sighs> that bills to pay. Poor puppy. Let's start off strong. Please introduce yourself to everybody and your introduction to low waste living.
0: Sure. So I am a content creator in Western New York. Um, I live in what I call my mini urban homestead with my husband and our cat named Waffles. My low-waste living journey kind of started back in high school. I started noticing things that I just never had before. Um, And I started to learn about climate change and how I could make a positive impact on the planet being one human. So in college, I took some climate education courses to kind of further my climate knowledge. And then I kind of discovered that low waste living is a thing and that living planet friendly is really more than just eco-friendly swaps.
1: I love that. I feel like that's really resonated with a lot of people because you've been full time content creator for a month now, right? Yep. Yep. A month. Yeah. So just being able to share your swaps and everything you've learned has really resonated with people. And I find that like really encouraging.
0: Yeah, and I, I love doing it full time. Um, I get to kind of have a really creative part in the, this corner of the internet and also advocate for our planet. So best of both worlds.
1: Okay, so today we're going to be talking about how to live sustainably when you live with other people, whether it's your spouse, partner, siblings, roommates, family, whatever it might be. So Maria, you literally just got married.
0: How did you meet your partner? I did. So we just got married three months ago. Um, But we I met my husband Quinn back in 2014. We were both seniors in high school and we started working around the same time at a local grocery store. Uh, So after being friends for a while, we started dating in 2017. We finished our college degrees long distance and then the pandemic happened. So we were separated for about six months a year. And then we bought a house in 2021, uh, right outside of Buffalo. And we just celebrated six years being together last month.
1: Wow, six years. That's a long time. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it is a long time. Time flies, though. On one hand, it feels like it's been way longer than six years. And on the other hand, it feels like it's been a year.
1: I'm curious. So does he have like similar views as you when it comes to sustainable living, low waste swaps and things?
0: Yeah. So he has very similar views when it comes to climate change. He understands the impact that humans have on the planet and knows that he wants to do better. He is very supportive in every way possible when it comes to sustainable living. But he will also be completely honest when things don't work. And uh, it can be really helpful because I sometimes have what I call eco blinders on, where I see a brand that's doing great things. And I see all the good it does in the world, but it might not work very well, but I'm willing to overlook it. He will bring me back down to reality and say that this doesn't work and we find something else. So he's very on the same level with me as like low waste sustainable living, but he will keep me in check.
1: I love that eco blinders. I haven't heard that term. Before. Like I must start using it.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard because there are so many brands. I mean, if you just think about eco-friendly laundry detergent, There are, there've got to be hundreds of ones that brand themselves as eco-friendly. Not all of them work. Not all of them will do the job that you need, especially if you have a job that is like more sweaty or like more dirty, you might need something that's more powerful than plant powered. So it's kind of nice to always have somebody to keep you in check and tell you when things are not working.
1: (laughs) What is it like living with somebody who kind of brings you back down? Can you kind of explain what that looks like? Do you have to compromise a lot?
0: all the time. It's really honestly all about compromise. And I know when I say that it kind of can come off with a negative connotation, but not at all. I recently did a follow up to the Picasso trends that I did last year showing like my unsustainable bathroom from last year. And you've got like all my bottles of unsustainable products that I was finishing up before switching to new ones. Um, and then you've got my husband's Dove shampoo, and dove body wash in like these giant big plastic bottles so I did the the update and his Dove bottles were still there and somebody had commented saying like oh I see like an unresistant un- husband or something like that so it is definitely true he is definitely resistant um, on some things for the life of me he won't switch over to a more sustainable shampoo or uh, body wash and it It was hard for me at first to understand why he didn't want to switch over because switching over to bar products was like a no-brainer for me. It was hard at first to understand but my husband likes what he likes so we compromise and he buys these really big bottles at BJ's, which is like a Western New York large chain, but it's like at Costco. So he only uses a few of them a year, and then we do recycle them after. So it's definitely a lot of compromise, but also a lot of open communication um, about expectations. I want to live as low waste a life as possible at whatever cost, where my husband will be low waste, but still wants that convenience factor. He wants nothing to do with eco (laughs) bricking, like at all which is something that I was really passionate about and went viral for last year. So trying to find that balance and that compromise is kind of always a work in progress.
1: Eco-bricking. So for people who don't know,
0: can you explain what that is? Yeah, so it's basically shoving a bunch of soft, pliable plastic into a giant plastic bottle. And you shove so much plastic in there that it is hard like a brick, and then you can use those bricks to build things. But it takes a lot of plastic to fill those bottles. I have been eco-breaking for like two years, I took about a month and a half break, Um, I'm currently in like my eco-breaking break, and I filled maybe six, like almost the size of two liter bottles, so that's all the like food plastic that we've used in two years. So it, it takes a while to fill them up. Wow, so you only have
1: six bottles after two years. Yeah. That's how much stuff goes in them.
0: Yeah, and... It's hard because places like Aldi are a lot cheaper when it comes to produce groceries, but everything's wrapped in plastic. Whereas I could go to Wegmans, a local store here, and get all the produce bulk. So it's more expensive there, or it could go to Aldi. So it kind of depends on what we're doing that week. So even trying to be low-waste grocery shopping doesn't always work out. You still end up with plastic. (laughs)
1: That's interesting because I feel like a lot of people when it comes to living more sustainably, they have the argument that like you can't be sustainable if you don't have like a certain income in that way, like it does make sense. If you want the more eco-friendly option, it is going to be more expensive. So I feel like that's a that's a hard one because, you know, do you want to put money in your savings account or do you want to be more eco-friendly?
0: Yeah. And even that goes back to living with a partner too, because we both have our own financial goals. I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of that financial goal to shop low waste and spend $300 a week on groceries at Wegmans, whereas I could spend 100 at Aldi. And it's a balance because my partner isn't really willing to do that. It's hard even financially trying to do that. And Things have gotten better in the sense that so many eco-friendly swaps now are very similar cost-wise, but there are some that are not still. It's definitely like it all goes back to compromise and trying to figure out what you are going to be willing to compromise with.
1: Do you have any advice for somebody who maybe is a little bit more headstrong, a little bit more stubborn, and they're dating somebody who's totally like not into it at all?
0: Yeah, I am very stubborn, and I will be the first one to admit it. Um, and it was at the point where, when we were making an eco-friendly swap, I would love it, and Quinn would say, "I, I don't like this. I can't use it." And I'm like, "Why? Wh- why don't? Why don't you like this? Like, it does not compute in my brain. <laughs> it kind of goes back to like not having those eco blinders on and trying to see your perspective." To, in trying to see the other person's perspective because I am willing to look away from product quality if it's something really eco-friendly and really sustainable. But having that person to be there and say like, this isn't working is great. So being open to listening to what the other person you're living with or dating is saying is huge.
1: I live with my boyfriend. We've lived together for the last year and a half, maybe two years coming up in September. So it's been a while and i love a swedish disc a, I, man i can never say that <laughs> swedish dish cloth. i love them but my boyfriend on the other hand is like not down with it so he still uses paper towels and i swear like just to dry his hands he'll rip off four <laughs> paper towels and i'm like what are you doing? We have three like nice dish cloths all around. Like you could use those like what? And so our compromise that we did was uh, we buy like the 100% recycled paper, paper towels, or we go for the bamboo paper towels. And I was like, that's as good as you're going to get, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is very similarly. I'm almost the same way. I love Swedish dish cloths my husband has a texture problem with them when they get wet so he doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't like them at all so part of it too was finding an eco-friendly spot that he would use that was still good so we have several on un- several rolls of unpaper towels that we use that my husband doesn't have any texture issues with. So I would grab the Swedish dishcloth and Quinn will grab the unpaper towels. And we do still keep paper towels in the house, but we also keep the 100% recycled paper towels. So it's really all about finding the compromise that you and the other person are willing to make together. And if that's having several versions of an eco-friendly alternative, that's fine too. Because Having the combination of unpaper towels, having Swedish dishcloths, having just rags in our drawer is still more eco-friendly than having just paper towels. That makes sense. I I have a question for you. So
1: obviously you're talking about you and your husband, the kind of changes that you've made, the compromise, the communication mm-hmm. that all comes with that. But what about somebody who's living with their family? Do you have any advice for somebody where it's a little bit different of a dynamic?
0: Yeah, it's really hard. So My husband and I have been living together for two years, but before we came from both of our parents' houses, and when I was living with my parents, it was a lot harder to push those household eco-friendly swaps and changes. My parents care about the planet, but they're not hopping over hoops to be zero waste and live a low-waste life. Almost having that communication and that compromise isn't even an option there. I would instead gently nudge my parents toward more sustainable options. Like we started talking about how Tide isn't really good for the planet. We started talking about dryer sheets. And after, I think it was maybe three years ago, my mom for Christmas bought all of us wool dryer balls. So it was like, wow, like this is, this is happening. Like my parents are seeing the changes. So kind of trying to find that polite balance of how to do it, but how to not be overbearing to the point where it causes people to be uninterested.
1: It sounds like reminding yourself to be respectful. Like they yes. may not understand it on the same level that you do.
0: Yeah. And not politely nudging people in the right direction isn't going to help the case. And it's going to make people not want to make changes at all. I get it. I feel like I'm thinking about
1: like my my boyfriend that I live with and also my family. Yeah, that's the best way to go about it. I, think, I feel like if you were trying to shove something that someone's not familiar with or has never heard about before doesn't know the reason why you should switch from one item to the next it it gets really difficult to to have them actually stick with it like yeah
0: something but they won't use it unless they know how to yeah absolutely and i i think of when two years ago when we moved in i had never had tofu before because it just wasn't i came from a meat-eating household it was never never even a thought never even an option And my husband introduced me to tofu. And we started making all these recipes with tofu. And I would tell my mom all the time, like, oh, we learned how to fry tofu. We learned how to like, do this and make this kind of recipe. And at one point, she was like, all right, I get it. You like tofu, but that's like, not going to make me change. (laughs) So although I was really excited to share that part of almost like, our new beginning with eating. Although I was excited to share that part with my family, like I had to remember that people aren't always as passionate about tofu as I might be. So it's it's a really hard balance to achieve. Um, it's a hard balance to find. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you ever feel like when you're explaining sustainable swaps to friends, family, partner that you feel like you're souring it a little bit?
0: That's a tough question. I definitely think that with some people, yes, it can be very souring. Um, like there are definitely some people in my family that I won't chat with about like our newest sustainable swap, but there are some friends that I will talk up a storm with about like the new swap. So it really, there are two different types of people and you can or you can't talk about it with them. <laughs> yeah, I um
1: I, I, the reason why I ask is some of my family members, it's like, I try to explain things and, you know, maybe it's on me. I get really passionate. I get a little heated sometimes. Yep. And at one point, like one of my family members was like, you are souring it for everybody here. Stop. And I was like, so offended.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would make me like, just keep going.
1: (laughs) I was like, okay, well that's on you if you don't want to learn and educate yourself. But, um. But no, I feel like sometimes the line gets blurry because it's like when you're so passionate about something, I think other people almost can pick it up as like you're putting them down or you're, you're trying to make them feel bad about what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And I almost think that that's exactly the thought that my mom had, even though that wasn't my intention. You never know what's going on in, in some people's minds. Always having that respect for that other person is also very important.
1: Okay. I'm going to change our direction a little bit, but... You said you got married three months ago. So you were wedding planning for like the last year almost. Do you have any advice for somebody who is planning a wedding and wants to make it more eco friendly?
0: Yeah. So we got engaged at the end of last June and got married in March. So we had almost nine months to the day to plan. A wedding and if you know anything about weddings is that you need like a year and a half to plan. So we were already on a crunch time. We also were trying to plan it as sustainably as possible. So we had to rip apart normal wedding planning and figure out how could we make this this component of the wedding sustainable. So it was really hard. I discovered a lot on the secondhand markets. So pretty much all of our decor was thrifted or found secondhand. Um, or upcycled from something that we had so like my biggest advice is to check the secondhand market because so many people will buy all these items brand new for a single day a single event and then like be done with them so pretty much anything we bought looked brand new because it had never been used before or had just been used for like a very short amount of time Yeah, my biggest advice is to check the secondhand markets with weddings because that was like a huge cost saver and we ended up not having to buy like any decor new. You mentioned you
1: really had to deconstruct traditional wedding planning. Was that
0: hard? Was it difficult? Yes, because the wedding industry is not sustainable and it was not meant to be sustainable. It really... It was very hard, especially since Buffalo is not a big city. So we were limited in that sense to what we wanted to do. Whereas if I was getting married somewhere like New York, there are hundreds of vegan restaurants, hundreds of vegetarian restaurants that I could choose from. We have like one, maybe. (laughs) So we were very limited with what we could do. So it was more of the sense of having to think, okay, so for food, what are we going to do? We have this list of five caterers that we can choose from from our venue, which is the most sustainable. Like, it was more of taking the options that we had here and just picking like the the most sustainable one.
1: Can you share some of the questions you would ask yourself when trying to make these decisions?
0: One of the big things that we were thinking a lot about was carbon footprint. Um, So... We tried to pick vendors that were close to our venue. And when we picked our venue, we were, so we got married at our local botanical gardens and it's a very non-traditional wedding venue. It wasn't really set up to be a wedding. So we were very limited on some of the vendors that we could work with per the botanical garden guidelines. In that sense, it was more of, okay, does this cater or compost? Can we get reusable china so then we're not using disposables? Like each vendor had their own set of questions that we asked them to try to figure out how to be the most sustainable as possible. And think about our carbon footprint with getting people to our venue and back from our venue, but also all the different things that went into it. Like We had a single meat carving station and we had to think about like all the emissions that went into that. And then the other big thing that we thought of at the end of the night was waste. So all of our decor came back with us um, and then we were able to give it away on our Buy Nothing group. But if something was staying there, like what was the end of life for it? All of our chinaware for the table went back to the caterer, was washed and reused. All of our linens were washed and reused. We had to think about like the whole life cycle of each item that we were trying to find. And see, like, is this really the most sustainable?
1: I find that really fascinating. Like, I think so. Background on me, I was a wedding coordinator for three months. It was like an internship when I was in college.
0: Cool. I would have loved to do that.
1: <laughs> it was cool. It was every weekend, though. I think I attended somewhere between 30 and 40 weddings in the span of three months. It was wow. Uh, uh, but one thing that I remember was that there was so much waste. There was so much food waste. And, like, if they didn't go through all of the catered food, then the caterer would package it up. And then normally, like, the mother of the bride was the one who had to, like, lug it to her car. And I can only imagine, like, the mother of the bride, if, if their kids are getting married, they, they're they probably empty nesters. So it's just the mother of the bride, father of the bride going home with loads of food like and even the decor and people who buy it new one of my friends got married last March so over a year ago now and she still has like cans of beer hanging out in her fridge she's got vases she bought like these like kind of vases it's very specific vases for all of her tables and she just has them sitting around in storage and it's like she
0: doesn't want to get rid of them because she's like well I bought them
1: but she doesn't really know what to do with them now
0: (laughs) yeah and that's the other thing too is that Before our wedding, this whole area behind me was inaccessible because we had boxes and boxes of stuff that I had been collecting for nine months to put together for the wedding. So we had so much stuff here. And by the time our wedding had happened, I needed my house back. Like I wanted this space (laughs) clear. So we put everything on our Buy Nothing group. Even then, I still see people that I'm friends with on Facebook that I know got married several years ago, but are posting things to sell like vases from their wedding years later. I didn't want that. I didn't want any storage with it. I wanted to pass everything on and give it a new life. So we were able to do that and we got rid of everything within like five days. It was really nice. Do you have
1: one big like takeaway that you learned planning an event? Because I feel like this goes for more than just weddings. If you're planning a birthday party or any kind of event, do you have a, a single takeaway that you learned?
0: Yeah, it's probably that no matter how hard you try, you won't be 100% eco-friendly. I think I was very laid back with a lot of that stuff, and I was just surprised with how much I had to plan for, and I wasn't able to find an eco-friendly solution for everything. Um, we had a 100-person wedding, and we could have been even more eco-friendly and eloped, but that wasn't just wasn't what we wanted to do. We did the best we could to make the wedding as sustainable as we could, and that was the best that we could do. It's hard to be 100% sustainable planning a birthday party, let alone an event for 100 people. So just kind of always having that positive mindset that no matter what you do, if you do something sustainable, it's more sustainable at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I love that because being one hundred percent is that's a hard thing to achieve. It's almost unrealistic.
0: I definitely agree with that. And I saw all of these like eco friendly, sustainable Pinterest weddings, and there's a few um, creators who also went viral for like very eco friendly weddings. And I was thinking, like, as I was planning this out, how are you being one hundred percent sustainable? I there's got to be something that's not. But on the outside, it's this hundred percent sustainable wedding eco-friendly wedding the best that you can have but there's got to be something that was not sustainable because it's so hard to plan something totally sustainable yeah it is because
1: if you're planning something and you need like disposables right like you either get like the plastic ones or you could go the better option and go for like repurpose which are compostable kind of plastic plant-based plastics, I guess. I'm not sure what they're made of, but they look like plastic that are compostable. But that's not one hundred percent great. Or I guess your your best option would probably be use like what use what you have. But if you're throwing a hundred person wedding,
0: you can't use what you have. Nobody just has like a hundred cups just laying around like think about just how many plates 100 plates is after so even think about like 100 disposable plates some of them might still have food left on them it's probably like a really tall stack of plates right who's taking them home to compost them that's a huge like amount to go in any sort of compost pile and we we know that composting is not 100% accessible. Not everybody can do it, and that's okay. Using that disposable option, if they're compostable, then it opens a whole other can of worms. Is Are you composting them at the end of their life after the event?
1: So taking it like one step further and not just, okay, we need plates and utensils, cups, whatever it might be for your wedding or whatever event you're planning, but taking it one step further. What are we going to do with it after the event? Which for those that don't know, a buy nothing group, can you explain what that is, Maria?
0: Yeah, I love it. But I love buy nothing groups. Um, A buy nothing group is a group on Facebook started by the buy nothing project uh, where you can post items that you want to give away from your home uh, for free and then people can come pick them up or you can come drop them off and just kind of figure that out on itself. So I use it as a, a sustainable way to declutter because if people are going to go out of their way to pick something up for free, they're more likely to use it as opposed to just donating something to a thrift store that might sit on the shelves and never be used. This person's coming to pick it up so you know that they actually want it and will actually use it.
1: Okay, so I have some rapid fire questions for you. Just
0: on the note of
1: living with somebody, trying to be more sustainable, and maybe they're not on the same page as you yet. There's always hope that they will. But before we get into some rapid fire questions, Do you have any last minute advice for somebody who wants to live more sustainably, but they do live with other people who aren't ready to make a bunch of low waste changes?
0: My advice would be to make one personal swap at a time on your own. So it's really hard living with other people who aren't on the same almost wavelength as you. Um, So focusing on personal swaps that you can make in your life can also gently encourage people around you to make sustainable swaps as well. If you're sharing an apartment with somebody and they see you using bar shampoo and bar soap, they might be curious and say like, oh, like, what is that? That's kind of interesting. And then you can talk it through with them and explain it to them. And that might gently encourage them to make more sustainable swaps while also furthering your progress as a human on their low waste living journey.
1: I love that. That's great advice. Okay. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. What do you do if your parents always use paper plates for family dinners?
0: Um, Offer to take them home and compost them. Oh, okay.
1: What about a roommate who always buys a ton of groceries, they never
0: end up finishing them, and then throw it away? Um, I would plan a cooking night with a scrappy recipe with something that they often throw away. And gently encourage them to not throw things away. Okay.
1: All right. Um, What about, and you kind of talked about this a little bit, your spouse or your partner does not want to switch to bar soap.
0: I, yes, I have experienced this. We compromise and buy the biggest bottles of soap as possible that we can find. So it's more product to packaging ratio. And then we try to recycle them with hopes that the recycling system won't fail us.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Um, okay. What about
1: your spouse or your partner only uses Tide and dryer sheets?
0: I would hide them. Well, okay. Just <laughs> kidding. I wouldn't hide them. <laughs> but I would finish them off and purchase a sustainable replacement to then transfer over to Gently afterward and not buy any anything else there. <laughs>
1: okay all right
0: okay last one
1: your siblings are obsessed with shopping at Shein or any kind of fast fashion
0: brand I would definitely be a jerk about it and send as many news articles as possible about Shein as I could to them but if I was taking the nicer route I would send them a single article and say hey this popped up on my feed did you know this and then let them know about how hard it was because. To be honest, I didn't know anything was unsustainable about fast fashion until I was in college. So I thought it was normal as a high schooler to shop at Forever 21. So Mm -hmm. I understand. Not everybody might know. So politely nudging them to not use fast fashion. Okay.
1: All right. Okay. Follow up question. What if they know and
0: they're still purchasing? Then I'm not related. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's so hard, and Shein is one of those things that just, like, makes me so mad to even think about that I don't know if I could be level-headed and have that conversation with them, so I would probably passive-aggressively continually send them articles and things about Shein or other fast fashion, which is bad. I know that that's not the way it should be. I should have a better answer for that, but I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
1: I feel like if it's your sibling, like, you can be a little bit harsher. That's yeah. It's fine. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I know I um I know somebody that loves Shein. And um they're like, "Yeah, I know it's not great for the environment, but like I got these boots for 10 dollars." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god." Really to say I'm like, "Oh god."
0: I really want to print out that graph that's got like the different fast fashion that they've all got, like, this little much impact, and then Shein's like this. I really just want to print it out to have it in my pocket to show people and be like, okay, but any fast fashion is better than Shein. Like, pick yeah. something that's lower. If you really need fast fashion, pick something that's has a little bit of a lower impact.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And kind of off topic, but like, you know, people make the argument that they can't afford like a more sustainable option or they don't have time to go sorting through thrift stores and stuff. And, you know, I'll give them that. Like, I get it. Um, And I guess in that case, you know, I'd encourage them buy things, you know, you're going to wear for a long time. Don't buy something because it's trendy. Buy something because you enjoy wearing Mm -hmm. it. It's comfortable. And then wearing it until it's got holes in it, I guess, would probably be like the next best thing.
0: Yeah, I would say that's probably the next best thing. And I've thrifted some pieces that are like from Shein and from some fast fashion brands. They do not last nearly as long as other clothing does. So trying to find high quality pieces that are going to last a long time that aren't like paper thin is like almost the best bet. You might pay a little bit more for them at fast fashion brands. But like I almost think that that's the best the best thing if you can't do it. Because I understand thrift stores are not very size inclusive. They can be really hard to sort through sometimes and find things. So I get it. Um, but trying to do what you can to be the most sustainable is the better choice.
1: A little fast fashion tangent there. Okay, well, Maria... Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We talked a lot about a lot of amazing things, a lot of good advice in this episode. So I'm super excited to share it with everyone. Please tell everyone where they can find you.
0: Yeah. So I, my home base is livingplanetfriendly.com. I am on like every social media platform, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube. And I just joined Eight and threads i don't know how to use lemonade or threads yet but we're working on it so you can check me out on there
1: we've made it to good climate news This week's article is titled, The New Tallest Tree in Asia is a 335-foot cypress, and it shows there's plenty left in the world to discover. I absolutely butchered that title, but that is generally what it says. I just added in a few words to make it flow better. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Long story short, I will link this in the show notes for anybody who wants to read up more on this, but researchers in China working in the Yarlong Zhangbo Grand Canyon Nature Reserve found a tree. It is a Himalayan cypress that has grown to be 335 feet tall. And that isn't just the tallest tree in Asia, but the second tallest in the world behind the American Hyperon which is a coastal redwood that reaches 381 feet into the sky. But it does show that there's a lot out there that is left to be explored. Like, nobody knew that this tree existed, and now they do. And it's the second tallest tree, the first tallest tree in Asia. That's pretty dang cool. Okay, again, I will link that in the show notes for anybody interested. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at Podcast. You can find me, crystalline at krystalyngeyer on Instagram, TikTok, threads now that that is a thing, YouTube. And of course, you can always keep up to date with my blog posts, which are on my website, crystallinegeyer.com, along with all those other things linked. I will link all that in the show notes. Last but not least, I have a newsletter. It only comes out once a month and I'm really proud of it. And I think everybody would like it. So you can always sign up to receive the newsletter. It comes out on the first of the month, every month. Eventually, I'd love to do it weekly, but for now, it's just once a month. And my goal for that newsletter is to make it a breath of fresh air. So we're talking a little bit about climate. We're talking a lot about mental health and wellness. We're also just sharing what's trending in the space. So anywhere from health and wellness trends to how to wake up better in the morning to any kind of interesting things about the climate that I come across and so much more. So if you're interested, I will link that below. Love you guys. And I'll see you next week.